Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. I am Mr. Joseph Spiegel. Mike Sutherland. All right. This is our Mr. Podcast 1917 movie review. And we are going to talk about that wonderful piece of Roger Deakin cinematography brilliance. Cinematography? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm. You just add an eed to everything and then, you know, it, it makes it a real word. Like when I add R's to things? Or ism, things like that. You know, like lore. Yeah. So, <laughs> how many people know that we're recording live again? I don't know. Everybody in the in the, that's part of the group, you know. Everybody's part of the group. All right. Anyone that's uh, yeah, anyone that's <laughs> part of the group would know that there's a live event. So, so yeah, for my my review, my Joe knows movies review, I'm I'm gonna save certain things for that so that we can just have our conversation about this movie. But this is. I'm glad we went and saw this. You know, I already could tell by the trailers that it looked like it was going to be at least half decent. And I did like this thing that they were doing in the trailers, which was um, they did the uh, an extra thing where it showed behind the scenes filming of it, where Sam Mendes was talking about how he was, you know, why he was filming it the way he was with the long take thing. And it actually got me more invested in wanting to see the film. And I think that they should start doing that with more movie trailers where they're showing behind the scenes of them filming it. Because I think it, it adds a little more validity. You know, validity. I can't even... I'm stuttering and shit. Validity. Yeah. Right. It adds more to it. Like you could see the the effort that's put into making it instead of, you know, something lazy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. I always want to use Michael Bay as a scapegoat. Like with all of his, look, he films a lot of really well done action scenes. Of course, when the bottle rockets start flying out of every explosion, I can't take it seriously at all. <laughs> and then, you know what? You, oh God. Have you, you still haven't seen Six Underground. Don't see Six Underground. That movie sucked ass. All right. Just bottle rockets everywhere. Nice. So, all right. You don't want to chime in with anything about I'll chime in when I'm ready. <laughs> like I said, this isn't my my solo review. This is us having just, a conversation. Just, I know. Keep going. All right. So, this um I never think about World War 1 very much except when I think of Franz Ferdinand. <laughs> And, you know, because he's always the one that's always referred to as the one that his assassination started the entire war. I know there's more details to it than that, but everyone seems to think it's just because of his assassination that that's why World War One started. Right. And there's a lot of tensions yeah. and, and Germany then, wanted more territory and things like that. Yeah. But. And then uh, it was the test run for World War Two. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> we will dominate. So and it just... Uh, and then the only thing, other thing I remember about World War One is that it made the German economy go to complete shit, and so people had to use literally like wheelbarrows full of of money just well, to buy World bread. War, no, that's World War Two. I thought no, I remember World War One did that. That's what why Hitler was able to come to power because he was able to exploit people's need for unity and shit. And, yeah, you, know, you may be right. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, see, World War One. I'm not. I've never been a big big fan of World War One. Not mm. that you can be a, like a fan. <laughs> <laughs> bring it back bring back world war one you know make america violent again yeah <laughs> and but with world war one i've never been into it yeah. as much as world war two only like i'm into world war two because of the planes yeah. and, and all that other stuff i think it's just the a, a period of time where technology was at that point where i was interested in it yeah. you know tanks and world war two is like the fast and the furious or michael bay version of world war one just more, 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 just over the top, more insane, more everything in every way you can think of. But of course, better script. <laughs> if you want yeah, to add yeah. That. yeah, yeah. You have Patton and you have uh, Rommel and you have uh, all these players, Jaeger and, and, and whatnot. Yeah. But the one thing that always got me with World War One was the 
technology in regards to planes and and stuff like that. Like you didn't have parachutes, so if you get shot down, you're you're done. Yeah, because it was that was soon after Kitty Hawk, right? Yeah, it wasn't that much longer. Yeah, and when you when you're flying around in those planes, like you saw in in um in the movie in 1917, how low they were flying. Yeah, you know, so they weren't that far off the ground. Yeah, that was a weak dogfighting. <laughs> yeah, but it was and, realistic looking. Yeah. And 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 as they're flying around and, and separating and stuff like that, and then you have two that the, the two on one, you know, uh, gangbang. Yeah, that's going on with with the with the airplane fighting. Look like drunk mosquitoes. Yeah, that's really what it was. <laughs> Just just a bunch of cloth and wood just floating around in the sky, right? Yeah. And everybody's amazed at how <laughs> these thousand pound fucking, you know, engines are, are oh, just yeah. floating there. Oh, yeah, because they didn't know how to make things smaller back then. They just, no. boom. <laughs> yeah, and then when they crashed, it was pretty pretty uh, magnificent. Yeah, it fucking ruined the, the, the whole bucket of milk. <laughs> That's the only thing I was concerned about in that whole scene. <laughs> it's the fucking plane <coughs> going through the bar. I was like, it's going to hit the milk. Now they won't have milk to drink. Yeah. And then, well, here's the other thing is, is like when they're dropping bombs, they have to literally pull the bomb out and then kind of eyeball it oh, and God. then drop it. Yeah. You know, so they're holding a live bomb <laughs> as they're driving and they're just like, um, <laughs> that and, was and most on of those, target. Yeah. And most of those will go off, you know, not far from when they, after they dropped it, yeah. they just drop and then like 20 feet down, those fucking bombs would go off before they even hit the ground because they weren't, you know, they weren't really well done. Yeah. But the nice thing about it is, is this movie shows what it's like, well, as close as you can in representation yeah. to what World War One was like in terms of combat and a lot the of dirt. trench warfare. Oh my God. Yeah. It was awful. And and it didn't make any sense to me. It never made any sense the way that they did trench warfare. Is that you build a trench, the bad guys build a trench, and then at some point they get ready, and then they just run at each other. It's like uh, it's like, like um, Risk or, uh, <laughs> or it's like Red Rover. Yeah, you know, yeah, Red Rover, Red Rover, send them all over <laughs> so we can shoot at them. Yeah, I mean that is weird because I mean if you're advancing, I mean look how long it must take to dig those trenches and then put up all the support beams for the underground tunnels and shit. Yeah. I mean, it just—it doesn't seem very like um, uh, not effective. Not that's not the word. It's close to word, but it doesn't seem uh, feasible or, or um, oh god, uh, commonplace. Or um, I know the word. You know the word I'm trying yeah. to use is right. It just doesn't seem like it doesn't make sense because if you're advancing, if you're trying to advance onto another you know area, what's the point of digging all these trenches when now they're going to be useless? Well, and they use the trenches. trenches right? Yeah, they use the trenches to get back and forth. You know, yeah. it's basically the the country border type of thing and then yeah. you're like a no man's land in between and 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 that was that was the issue with world war 1 in in what I'm as I look at it and <laughs> it was just it was a um it was the next step in the cavalry thing yeah so when you're fighting you know like the napoleonic wars and everything else and people are getting on the cavalry the horses and this and that and the other thing as they are riding across the fields against each other yeah. they're like well, why are we doing this? Why don't we just build a fucking trench <laughs> and then get up and fire at each other and then put this barbed wire, in, you know, in between a no man's land and and see what it's like. And then from there, all of this stuff just kind of escalated yeah. to what modern warfare is now. But World War One was basically the advent of technology in terms of 
you know, uh, rapid fire guns, you know, and putting it into use, not necessarily that they did developed it, but, you know, airplanes and putting it into use and chain guns and, and Gatling guns and putting it into use and those long range cannons. Like when you vastly saw. different than the, from the civil war. Yeah. You know, this, this is the next step from the civil war. Yeah. Cause Gatling guns in the civil war were rare. They didn't have a lot of them and those were still slow by certain standards. Yeah. And they were chain guns yeah. really is what they were. So, you know, you had to, you had to crank it. Yeah. So if you've seen some of the older TV shows and movies yeah. where they were doing that and, and the firing pins were very specific. So in, like with the airplanes, yeah, they had to actually sit down and figure out how the prop spins. And then when the bullet is fired, it has to fire between the props. Yeah. And that's pretty amazing right there in terms of having to figure out the revolutions. So how fast that that thing is spinning. Yeah. And, and, and there's a hole. So in the engine, there's a literal hole where as the hole pops, the gun fires. Yeah. Other than that, it won't fire. So you can hold down the trigger. So you won't shoot off your propeller. <laughs> yeah. So you hold down the trigger and as soon as that little, that hole shows up, the trigger will fire. That's right? genius. Yeah. And it's like a clock. Yeah. And, and that's that's what amazes me about, you know, that type of technology is that they're like, okay, so if we do this and we make this, we make it so that there's a hole at this point in time, you know, in between, let's just call it because if it was a, it was a four blade propeller, you'd call it north, south, east, and west. It's like an right? extra barrel hole. Yeah. So if we put it at north, south, east, and west in the middle, we'll just call them north, south, north, east, northeast, north, you know, southeast, northwest, southwest. Yeah. These holes were, you know, instead of north, south, east, and west. And as soon as that hole pops, the pin can push through, you know, and I'm sure, I'm sure it was like a, 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 a well, what do you call it? Um, a clutch plate type yeah. of thing. So the, the, it's a middle clutch plate. So you have the rotor for the, uh, for the plane. And then you have this middle clutch plate that keeps that spins almost that's that's set up to spin with the rotor, mm. but it's it's just off center, right? Obviously, so that the holes are uh, you know on on the on the uh, on the non-firing part or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, on the prop on the non-prop part, so that when that thing spins is is pretty much when it's going, and then from there. They're, they're allowed to fire. But h- how long did it take for them to figure that out? I mean, it's just like doing the timing on an engine, right? You know? Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. So, I, I mean, shit. It, dude, I, I still find things like that just ingenious. I mean, it, I, I st- I'm still fascinated by the invention of television. Hi, Anthony. How are you doing? You know? What's up, Mr. Eastlass? So, yeah, you know, uh, I'm surprised Al isn't in. Oh, dude, Al is, Al's got a weird schedule, man. I, I don't even know if he's, I don't, I think I, I don't, I don't have him on Facebook. So, yeah, well, yeah, he can join yeah. when he wants to. So, yeah, I just thought of something. What if, uh, before we get another camera or if you ever decide to go on camera yourself, what if you just put a mirror behind me? <laughs> you could just see like your reflection behind <sighs> <No>. me. No. <laughs> that would look so weird. But you can see, they can see the, the thing in my nose. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And you could support your Patriots and then, you know. Yeah. Or Red Sox, depending <laughs> on. I'd like to get a hat for every team in the in baseball and football, mm-hmm. and and just switch it out. Every Do they day. make customized hats where you could have like every team you're a fan of on one single hat? That would sound. I yeah, mean, you could probably do that. You know, that, but I would rather just have like I want I want hats and jerseys. You know, the the button up jerseys. Yeah. So I can wear the hat with the jersey. Yeah. You know, and the just last baseball jersey I had was Mike Piazza yeah. on, the, on the Dodgers, and that was when I was thin. That <laughs> was holy shit. That was twenty three years ago. That was so, a lifetime ago. Yeah, oh yeah, that was a totally different life ago. Yep. So uh, I thought I was still a virgin at the time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, that was pure. <laughs> 
Um, it was 21. Uh, yeah, you, you were 21. I, no, no, you uh, were 21. Uh, di- well, 97, I was, uh, depending on the time of year, I was either 19 or 20. Because I was, I was born in 77. So if it was before October, then I was 19. After that, 20. You, you said 20 years ago, right? 23 years ago is 1997. Right. So, yeah. I said 20. Yeah. I, holy <laughs> shit. Another lifetime ago. I, I, but I'll tell you what, I would love to, um, I, I'm going to love it when I get to that point where I've lost enough weight that I can wear jerseys again. I want to be able to wear, I want to get a Michael Jordan jersey before anything else. I've been wanting a Jordan jersey for two decades now because I haven't had one that long. I got too fat for the one I used to have. I had the reversible where it was either the black and red or the red and black. Do you still have it? I don't know what the hell. No, I don't. I don't know what happened to it. Got stolen. I I wouldn't doubt if the ex sold it for meth. No doubt. (laughs) So I would not doubt it at all. But yeah, I mean, dude. Oh God, I don't want to get into that yeah, shit. We'll, <laughs> we'll deal with that later. This is not cocktails with Heather tonight. Just, uh, we'll say one thing. You buying gift cards from Sears just to buy meth with them. Yep. Genius. Meth head genius right there. Tweaker genius. Oh, God damn. Anyway. The, I'm going to give you a $25 Sears card. Yeah. God damn. There's a will as a way. Shit. For $10 worth of smack. Yeah. Holy man. I Anyway. Put that effort into making a marriage better, huh? That would have been it would have been great. We would have had a fucking epic love story, huh? Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah. So with um, I, I really like the way they did the trench scenes in this movie. Yeah. And the the first one where they I can't remember where they were. I think they were in France in, the whole yeah. movie. Yeah. So and they only have to go nine miles. Yeah, only that's it. I mean, nine miles ain't shit. I walk almost nine miles a day, and yeah. so you know that doesn't seem like a lot. No. Doesn't seem like it until you get to... Until you're being fired at. Oh, and then just the mud and and, and the death yeah. and the debris, the debris that's everywhere, man. I mean, just this movie is so fun. I, I remember when, when I, I got mesmerized in the first, like right after they got out of the trenches and they, they, they climb up, you know, I kept waiting for like a bullet to bounce off one of their, their, their helmets or something. Right. right which actually did happen. Yeah. You know, eventually. Yeah. Um, but when they climbed up there and the cameras following them and all the part where they had to go around the pond mm-hmm. to go through that gap. Right. And then the camera just goes over the water. I'm like, this is fucking amazing. I, I love this detail. And then right when the end credits start and it says, Cinematography, Roger Deakins. We both were like, oh, yeah. yep, yep, makes Figures. sense. There we go. Yeah, fucking Deakins, man. What what kills me about this whole movie is they're so they're Not going the Germans. To, yeah, <laughs> they're going towards the farm, right? Mm-hmm. And they think that they're alone. So they're going through the woods. They make they finally make it through, you know, the German the German front line as you if you want to call it that, the the trench where they had their front yeah, line. Which was not far away at all. No. And and they go down to the farm. The farm's empty, except there's one cow there. Yeah. And... And a bucket. <laughs> Sounds and, like a porno. And, and, <laughs> one cow, one bucket. Everybody... So they end up at the farm, and then not not 10 minutes later, there's an entire line of people at the goddamn farm, you know, in trucks. Like, they've been there the whole time, right? Yeah. So that was that was really funny. I thought that was... Uh, that was that was poignant that when when you're self involved in a story like this, and you're so focused on the task at hand that you don't notice everything that's going on in in terms of the bigger picture until you have time to reflect and relax, or someone breaks that breaks that up. It's kind of like being in a movie you know, in a movie theater. Like when I keep telling you about like if I'm watching a movie and like the entire crowd disappears as I'm getting into the movie. That's exactly what it's like. Who are you yeah. talking to? Oh, I'm talking to Anthony. He uh, oh. he said, "What's up, brother?" Oh. 
So I was uh, responding to him. Oh, there you go. There we go. Joe Spiegel joined. It doesn't automatically update on my on my browser, so <clears throat> when we that's why I have to have you guys monitor it because it'll automatically just rotate, you know, through questions and whatnot. So if anybody has questions about the movie or 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 you know, with cocktails with Heather or anything else like that, what goes on is we have to have set people monitoring it because it doesn't it doesn't see. I'm wearing your short. Did it say short? I'm wearing your shorts. Did it say short? Yeah. God damn it. Who cares? Fucking fat fingers. I'm wearing your shirt, Anthony. Your goddamn shirt. Okay? Yeah. Your your shirt. Yeah. Shirt. I can't even. Ta- I can't even type when I'm typing when I'm talking. I can't even talk when I'm talking. And I can't type when I'm tabs- when I'm tapping. <laughs> I the, can't type when I'm talking. The pressure to entertain. That's all good. Oh my god. All right. So, yeah, this movie yeah. is so much fun. I, I really, I, I'm, I, you saw how many times I was leaning forward watching this movie. I just. Yeah, I, you, I was, you do what I do when yeah. when you get invested in a movie. Yeah, Anthony, we're talking about the, the new uh, Sam Mendes movie. And <clears throat> it's uh, it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. The, the the cinematography in and of itself is is phenomenal. Oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> keep using that word. It's the word for the day. Yeah. Brilliant. But uh, like there are scenes in this that are so... Poignant? No. Um, I don't want to say brilliant because we've already said brilliant. <laughs> I don't want to use the Guinness word anymore. Yeah. There are scenes that are just so picturesque. Yeah. The the church burning in the middle of town. Yeah. To light up. And basically that's your entire thing of light for the town at night. Yeah. And he's just standing there. So it's a picture of him in darkness, just a silhouette. And this fucking building is just burning to the ground. And it's, it's, it's so amazing. Like one of my favorite scenes ever filmed of him just going into uh, a, a cost. Yeah. Yeah. It was a cost. And it was a big cost. And having to get through in like this maze. I mean, basically his job is to deliver this message, you yeah. know, because his friend dies. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and I like that twist and character change, man. I really yeah. did. That was that was really smart to do that. I, you know, I thought it would be better if he didn't die. You know, if he got injured or something like that, that yeah. would be fine. But uh, you know what? It it doesn't take away from the movie. It doesn't make the I, movie worse. I That's like, what I'm saying. I like the subversion of of, of expectations because I thought because you know ignorantly as a film goer, I looked at it as this guy's got a mission. He's got to find his brother. So I kept focusing on him because the other guy's acting like a like a half hearted pussy for, for right. a lot of it. Right? I don't want to be the reluctant guy. Right? Uh-huh. And so you know he's like, I just got to get. My my brother. So the whole time I'm thinking, okay, this guy is going to get his brother because, you know, happy Hollywood ending type shit, right? And instead, I mean, what was it about 45 minutes into it or so? Maybe, yeah. maybe 45 minutes into it. You it's know? the first act at least. And then he gets stabbed in the stomach and I'm like, no, no, there's no fucking way. There's no way he's going to die, right? He'll be okay. Like, yeah. they'll patch him up. He'll be all right. Nope. Nope. <laughs> like, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop and the other shoe to drop was he's dead. So, and, but I'll tell you what, it was great character arc for the other character by George McKay or McCreer with the hell, George, yeah, George McKay, who played um, Schofield. Mm-hmm. It was really cool because you see him first as not wanting to be a part of this at all. Like, why did you volunteer me and all this shit? You know, I didn't know. I didn't know that we were going to have to do this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden he has to change or he's going to die. He has to become a so-called hero. He has to become a soldier. Yeah. He has to become a full on soldier. And, and, you know, he has, he has, he finally, you know, sees that there's something 
something bigger than him here and he's got to accomplish his mission no matter what. Right. You know, even not like, like there's a part where he's with that pregnant or not the pregnant with the, with the woman that has that baby uh-huh. and you know, he could have stayed with her. Yeah. To, that's to, a, it's a decision point. Yeah. He could have stayed with her and would have been comfortable. He could have maybe even helped get her out during the daytime or something, right? Something good could have happened with him being with her. But instead he, his focus had changed and he's like, I've got to go do this. You well, know? it, the focus changed after, okay. So his buddy dies and he's sitting in the grass and uh, Mark Strong shows up and says, Hey, get his stuff, yeah. you know, and then we'll take you. And they're on, they're on, so he's talking with Mark Strong and you can see the switch in character at that point Yeah, where he's like, I need to get to a cost. When the, the flat tire, or I mean, when they would get stuck in the mud. The yeah. In the we mud. have to do this. Yeah. Everybody out and push. I have to, and he almost has a breakdown. Oh yeah. And I have to get to the front lines to say, s- see what's going on. Yeah, because the, uh, this huge price has already been paid. Yeah. He's got to do, he's got to, there's no, there's no other way than to accomplish this mission. Right. It's ride or die. Yeah. And, and, th- and this is where this movie succeeds, where Dunkirk failed. Yeah. I don't care what other people say, because most people don't seem to give a shit about the character development in that film. Dunkirk only had a couple characters I cared about, and they didn't have a lot of screen time. Okay. The problem with that movie is no matter how visually amazing that film looked, I, because I didn't care about anybody. And the only reason why I cared about Tom Hardy's character is because Tom Hardy was playing him, even though he barely had any dialogue. Right. Okay. So in this movie, I cared about the characters. I even cared about the the occasional cameos by, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch and, and Mark Strong. And um, and who else? Who was the other? The dude? Kingsman guy. Um, the uh, Colin Firth. Uh-huh. You know, those guys showed up and they, they made their mark in that film. And then they left. They got out of the way and these characters got to go do what they needed to go do. Yeah. And it was great. It was like because it felt like these characters needed to pass it on to someone else for a few minutes you know so they could take a breather for a part yeah and then they get to then they then they're going back into the shit again and so it was yeah it was great to see these these actors come in these big actors and not take over the scene remember the scene where they're still going through the trench and that guy leads them to where they have to climb out of the trench Mm -hmm. to go that guy plays moriarty on the benedict cumberbatch version of sherlock holmes oh wow okay yeah and that guy's really good he's a really good actor i've seen him in a few other things oh the um the uh what was it uh the captain was it the captain yeah the one that had the uh the the um the beanie on yeah and he's making jokes at a couple people yeah and, stuff. and he's telling the guy to wake up because he's he's a sloth or mm-hmm. whatever yeah exactly that guy yeah. <laughs> and so you know, i don't know that guy's name but i know that face and so even having him show up just for that what like four minutes that he might yeah. have been in the movie what day is it yeah it's friday <laughs> this fucking asshole said it was tuesday yeah you know or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. see it's just all those human touches to the movie are, are what adds more to it yeah. that dunkirk failed to do the dialogue in and of itself yeah. is great mm-hmm. especially you know, when ben- benedict cumberbatch is talking with schofield the, the, the character schofield yeah and he tells him to fuck off yeah which he was now, told that was going to happen now fuck off yeah right and and go get some food. I like that. I like the way everything played out. I like the beginning of the movie. I like the fact that it just kind of it didn't throw you into it, but it set up everything nicely. Yeah, there was really no telegraphing of what was going to happen, other than what the they, trailers gave away. <laughs> not even what the trailers gave away, because yeah. I didn't really pay attention to the trailers. I got tired of watching them. Right? Yeah, we saw them a lot. Yeah, and, and the, like the, the making of and this and that and, and running, but they didn't give away too too much. No, but because I totally forgot that there was only one guy running in the trailers from yeah. all the bombs. Yeah. And then finally, when you know that that guy is the only one that survives, then I'm like, oh, he's the one running from the bombs in the, near the end. Right. So. Yeah. yeah and and the, the, the premise is simple. You need to go nine miles <laughs> to stop your 
battalion to, to stop this battalion yeah. from you know whatever six hundred or twelve hundred people dying. It's sixteen hundred. Yeah, yeah, and and that's it. Yeah, nine miles. So we were leaving the theater, and Al was talking about it. He's like, "Yeah, you know, it's kind of weird." running and night and day and this and that and the other thing. And I'm like, dude, he only had to go nine miles. Yeah. And, he, and I was like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> right. He only, you know, mm-hmm. so when you're involved in the movie, you forget that he only has to go a short distance. Literally nine miles yeah. is from, you know, like. Here to Newcastle? Yeah. 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 You know. That's nothing. That, that I mean, you know, if you're, if you're even like fast walking, you can get there in a couple hours. Yeah. So. He has, it takes him almost two days mm-hmm. of crawling through bodies and trenches Shit, and yeah. and all this other stuff. The one thing I kept thinking of during the scene where uh, uh, the buddy, his friend dies, yeah. that house, all I could think of is, I wonder if that's a house where they filmed uh, Inglorious Bastards in, the farmhouse. Yeah. You're a milk farmer, right? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that was that was just like, oh. Au revoir, Shoshana. <laughs> <laughs> and she runs off towards the trees. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, I mean, just uh, the, every scene that plays out throughout that film is so well set up. I noticed a couple parallels to uh, Saving Private Ryan when I was watching it. Well, the one about got to go save your brother, you uh-huh. know, because your brother's part of the battalion. And then the other part was when he just stumbles across the group he's supposed to find. Yep. And they're all sitting there and the guy's singing, which was a great scene. It was. You know, that totally, both those scenes reminded me of Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, and he's just leaning against the tree. Yeah, no one even noticed him yeah. until they were done singing. The guy was done singing. It was like... Like, anybody could have just walked up on them and just opened fire. Yeah. You know? I mean, just, I, I just, and right before that, where he's swimming through that river and he's got to climb through all those dead bodies. That, I mean, how long have they been sitting there in that water right there? Did you see the one, the, the, so the guy was lying on his back and his head was tilted and his tongue was sticking out. I, I don't remember. Because his face is all bloated. Yeah, it was gross. I know that. <laughs> just imagine how nasty that water is around him that he's climbing through. Yeah, well, not really because it's... It's rushing. Yeah. yeah it's, it's kind of filtering itself. Yeah, pretty much. So, But yeah, yeah exactly. He's just He just wants to get the fuck off the, the river. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, all I can think of is, where's his backpack? <laughs> like, why didn't he wait for his backpack? Oh, he ended up losing everything, man, except his life. That was, yeah. I mean, it was strong. I kept waiting for him to die before it was over. Yeah. I kept thinking that there was something was going to happen. But, yep. it, you know, I, it didn't need to. But I'll tell you what, this is the fail of the storytelling for Dunkirk. I cared more about the character in that one not being able to take a shit for the entire film because when the film starts, he's trying to take a dump on the beach. In, right. In, you know, not Normandy, but in Dur- Dunkirk. And and he never gets to because he gets interrupted. And so the whole film, because it's supposed to be in like live lifetime or whatever, uh-huh. real time, he never gets to take that shit. And that's all I cared about. <laughs> this one... I didn't, you know, he didn't have to take a shit, but no. you care about the character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I grew with the character as I was watching it. You know, yeah. and that that's good storytelling. That's how Sam Mendes succeeded. Where I think that Christopher Nolan failed in that in that regard. Yeah, I think the storyline is so strong with this one, mm-hmm. and they could have done the same thing with Dunkirk had they just focused on uh, one character not having to take a shit, but one character's <laughs> story in you know whether it's delivering a message. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, they had Mark Rylance's character. Um, he was running a boat. Um, he was a civilian running boats and helping with the Dunkirk thing. Uh-huh. Him and um, Killian Murphy were together on that boat. And that there, there's a little bit of humanity there, but it wasn't enough to carry the entire film. Yeah. And, and that was only just a piece of the sequence, yeah. too. 
you know, again, if they had, it, if there was a linear story on top of everything else that was going on, yeah. that was as strong as this one in 1917, absolutely, that's that movie would have been much better. But this movie is just superior in terms of filmography, film, film, yeah, filmography, I, <laughs> cinematography. I think, I think Deacons also did Dunkirk as well, because Deacons does a, a, most of Christopher Nolan's films. Yeah, I think he did too. And, yeah. and even, I mean, the cinematography is not bad. Yeah. This is better. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is way more focused. Yeah. It seems that there was a concentrated effort to really get everything straight yeah. and in terms of how the story was going to be told. And, and, and I mean, the way that they did it is they basically did it as one live shot. Yeah. Except for know? the part where he got knocked out. Yeah. Yeah. And as that one live shot <laughs> goes through, you're, mm-hmm. it's basically a linear storyline mm-hmm. and you're following him through everything that's going on. Yeah. And, you know, over, over obstacles yeah. and like the bridge where he has to cross the bridge and he's getting shot at. Yeah. You know, and then he, he just, he, he pops up and fires off too. And then he yeah. stops getting shot at and he goes into the tower. Yeah. You and, know, and speaking of um, that part where he has to climb across that broken bridge, that was like one of the only complaints I had about the film. And it's not detrimental to watching it at all. It just, it bugged me where the cinema cinematographer, or no, I mean, sorry, the musical score kicked in too loud uh-huh. and it tried to like add emotion and power to the scene and it didn't need it. It like, like it took away from it because it was like trying to like, like trying to accommodate it too much. Right. And also right after that, where he's going up the stairs, going after the sniper and then the music gets louder and it didn't need to, it, it was, it would have been way more effective if it was silent and you just heard the characters breathing and you heard the footsteps and you hear the, you know, the noises outside and all that. It would have been way better, yep. but it's not, it's not enough to, to de- derail the film at all. It just, I, it was a, it was a mild distraction that bugged me for that moment. But overall, the musical score was great because for the most part, it's subtle. It just, it's, you know, slowly in the background a little bit and it just goes up a little bit when it needs to. But other than that, I can't think of, of really any negatives with this movie. It tells its story and it tells it really well. And also, um, the, um, the, 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 you know, the genius editing with the, where it would cut to, you know, it makes it look like a continuous shot, but you know that there's scenes where, like, say, when the tree goes by and it's really close in front of the camera, you know that it's cutting into a new scene. Right. But I've seen it where it's been done badly. And for example, there's a movie called Bushwick that's on um, Netflix and it has Dave Bautista in it. And I watched it and that movie tries to do a continuous shot as well. But what it does is every time the camera will um, pan down to the asphalt and then pan back up and you can straight up tell that it cuts. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like 100% obvious. Well, um, in this movie, what... When you're when you're watching the farmhouse scene, yeah, and it cr- and it and it crosses from where he's sitting down, and the guys pick up his stuff and help him get up and walk into the farmhouse, yeah, and then it cuts across, and you see the two, you see the two, um, the 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 two corporals or whatever they are, the two soldiers, yeah, and then it crosses the line where you see all of the entire line of supply trucks, the convoy, yeah, that right there, you could tell that that was a cut. But the way that they did it was so good. Smooth. Yeah. And and it just, it was, it was like going into a different, I thought that they were going into a town. Yeah. And it was, I think that they were still at the farmhouse where all these trucks were. That's what, at least what it looked like. So, and I just, I, I was, I was amazed at a lot of the transitions between scenes here and there. Yeah. And even know. when the end credits started and it said that it was um, dedicated to his grandfather. Right. Alan or something Mendez, yeah. you know, a private or, or, you know, was or lieutenant or whatever, um, which, you know, is great. It's always good when you see that the, the filmmaker is inspired by, you know, by someone from his past, yep. or some, from his family or whatever. Yeah. 
And it's very difficult to get those guys to talk about anything. Uh, Especially if you weren't in the war with them. Well, yeah. But I mean, if my grandfather never talked about the war, like we had to drag it out of him. And I've told the story multiple times about how he lost his teeth uh, in, a, in a bomb drill in London when he was there during the bombing of London. Uh-huh. And he was a medic. And then um, I, my great grandfather, I never got, I mean, I knew, but he died when I was eight years old. Yeah. So uh, I never got to see or hear the stories that we should have heard because he was involved in World War One. My grandfather in World War Two. you know, my father in Vietnam, but we uh, never hear the stories about that because, you know, he worked in, in the Pentagon and, and my uncle's. Uh, we hear some stories uh, about what they used to do. One of them has passed away, but they couldn't talk about it because half the stuff was top secret. Yeah. And that I, I wish that we could have gotten more stories out of the older generation in terms of, of what they did or what they saw because now we'll never know. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, my grandmother knows some of the stories, but not everything. Um, and, and most of the family doesn't know all the stories or if, if they do know the stories, they know very, 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 very little of them because they just didn't talk about them. Yeah. They were, they were not those types of people to reminisce, move forward. Yeah. It's, you know, it's from that generation where the people didn't let out their emotions or they just bottled it up and drank or whatever. Yeah. Or not even bottle it up and drink. And, and I mean, in some cases, yes. Or beat their kids. Or beat their kids, you know, in, in, in terms of like if you were in Vietnam or whatever else like that, you know, like after World War II, it just seemed like everybody just kind of, they, they knew what they had to do as their job and they came back. Yeah. They had PTSD in some, in some cases, yeah. but for the most part, it was, it was what it was. So you're supposed to be watching us live, but you're not. <laughs> we, we just, yeah, we're, we're testing it out to make sure. Yeah, we'll be doing cocktail uh, cocktails two weeks from cocktails. Cocktails. We're doing cocktails. Uh, I'm apparently more having cocktails right now. Yes. So <laughs> yeah, I mean that's I mean for for the story that we got for 1917, mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be one of those Dunkirk style boring, you know, yeah. history documentaries, as it were. Yeah. And so <laughs> that's what I was expecting. This is, I am going to add this movie to my war movie list or my, my war movie collection of uh, Blu-rays. Rambo like, missing in action. Saving Private Ryan, uh, Fury. Um, what else? Uh, you know, I've got, I've got Enemy at the Gates, which I haven't watched in a long time. Delta Force. <laughs> Mega Force. Mega Force. No. Um, 1917. Oh, yeah. This is my war movie collection. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, hey, speaking of Oscars again, did you um, see the shit that Stephen King started getting for his comments about why he didn't care about diversity when he did his voting? Because yeah. he's, he's on the board. Yeah, I don't care. I, I, it's just amazing to me that how... No, let me let me go back. I don't care about the comments. Yeah. What he said was absolutely right. Yeah. Because it, in in terms of the way that Hollywood does things, and I interrupted you, so no, let, me, let me just say this real quick. In terms of the way that Hollywood thinks, most of the studios would take a character like Superman or Spider-Man or Captain America and turn him into a person of different color just to for diversity sakes yeah instead of and then and then try to play it off as well we need more diversity and nobody says that you can't have captain america blah 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 well if the character if you're intrinsically changing the character to fit a narrative yeah you're wrong 
And that's where that's where a lot of movies fail. In fact, that's where the Dark Tower failed. You know, and Idris Elba is a great actor, but Roland is a is is not a black man. Yeah. You know, and what you did was you made the fans. You, you you just it was a disservice to the fans first and foremost. Yeah. Secondly, what you did was painfully obvious. Oh yeah. You know, and it gets to the point where Hollywood is trying to dictate terms of how reality is, and this is not how reality is. Yeah. Diversity doesn't work if you are intrinsically changing characters to fit. Yeah. Hey, look, if, if you do a remake of I'm Gonna Get You Sucker and you have Neil McDonough playing Keenan Ivory Wayans, it ain't gonna work. Yeah, and and that's exactly how I, I view it as well. Yeah. You know, you can't... It, it, it Racism doesn't work in reverse either. No. You know, you can't just promote whatever. Neil McDonough... Yeah, I look at... Is Neil McDonough... Ben Affleck, yeah. Jason Statham, and um, uh, Ben Stiller, <laughs> all in I'm Gonna Get You Sucker too. all replacing those yeah. same characters. Yeah, that'd be funny. That, that doesn't work. Yeah. You know? You know, and look, I, I am all for um, now there's being more recognition for um, actors of other than white that are having more movies made for them, like Crazy Rich Asians, even though I'm not interested in the movie. But I'm glad that there's more of this getting noticed um, and watched by uh, other people that want to see more than just white people on screen. I'm all for that. I'm fine with that. But just know what you're doing. Don't change shit just to change shit to keep try to keep other people happy. Well, don't produce shit just to produce shit just to keep people happy either. Yeah. You know, I mean, we live in a big world and if you were just to take a camera and point it at, you know, 42nd Street in New York, you know, or any one of the subways or or down any one of the downtowns, Los Angeles and this and that, mm -hmm. right? You're going to see a mixture of people. And um, if you watch, what is it? Yeah, boy. I think it's you watch. Uh, I think that's his YouTube channel. Yeah, mm -hmm. boy. B-O-I-E. B-O-I. Okay. He talked about the Stephen King thing, which is absolutely dead on in terms of just, and in, in in, I'm going to paraphrase him because I'm not going to exactly quote him, but basically he said, you know, giving, giving black people white people roles and vice versa is bullshit, you know, and not just white, you know, not just that, but like, yeah. you know, giving, giving Mexicans white people roles or white people role Mexican roles, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, or going against the grain. Like there was a comic that got pulled from Kickstarter because, uh, in the comic, the hero beats up a gang of Mexicans and they were just, they were, they were, uh, the, the gang that was recently in the news, the 1313s or whatever they are, yeah. you know, and they said that it was, they pulled the comic because that scene was racist because, because he was saving a girl from being raped. Or, um, what is it? Uh, the Adventures of Tom Sawyer, where they changed the character's name to a slave Jim. I don't remember that, but yeah, it's in, in um, books in certain schools. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I just I'm trying to think. No, of no, no, and that's the yeah. same thing. You know, you're changing, you're changing the narrative to push an agenda. Yeah, that's like if uh, you change the uh, the girl um, with the dragon tattoo book, uh -huh. you change the rape scene to something more um, less offensive because you don't want to hurt victims of rape. Right. You you can't change something that's already been created. It's well, you can, but you're not. It's not. It's not fair. No, it's, it's not, not right. It's not honest. Yeah, there you go. It's not yeah. honest. And you know, I mean, and, and you're you're placating to people that are, as I like saying, the vocal minority that has become the majority. Yeah. You know, like 
like fans. You're you're doing fan service to fans. And now it's kind of weird because it's coming from two guys that are white guys that are in their forties, right? We're the we're considered in this SJW world now to be the the ones that have least amount of voice. Anymore, yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and you know, and that's 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 exactly acceptable. I mean, we're we're two older guys that you know has essentially seen it all. Yeah. And when we comment on stuff, we're not commenting. We don't hate people or anything else like that because of, because of this or that. We dislike the fact that people are trying to change specific things in entertainment to suit themselves. Mm -hmm. They're not doing it for your pleasure. They're not doing it for fans. They're doing it for themselves, you know, to make them look better. Yeah. Oh, did you notice when I did this in this movie? You know, when I, I, I made that character this, this way and that's, you know, that's me. I did that. They didn't, they're not doing it for the fans. They're not doing it for fucking, you know, community. They're not doing it for anything else other than self-recognition and fucking ego boosting. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. I, you know, and, and to go back to the Dark Tower, whoever decided to hire Idris Elba as, as Roland, and again, nothing against Idris Elba. You know, in fact, I thought he was really cool in the role, and I thought it was actually a good idea. wasn't bad. He wasn't bad. The movie wasn't great, but yeah. But the person that did that, the person that made that hiring decision, decided they were going to do it because their ego told them that they needed more diversity in roles, and that, you know, the original idea of a Clint Eastwood-style character was just not going to work, was not, was not right for this role. Yeah. Which it actually was right for the role. Stop hiring people that are just there to hire and hire correctly for roles. Yeah. If a director tells you that this is what you want, what they need and you go around him and decide that this is, this is the way you want it to be, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And that goes for anything in life. If you decide that this is the way it should be instead of the way it needs to be, you know, diversity and, 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 you know, hiring for, for, uh, some sort of quota. Yeah. You know, then we have it all backwards. Yeah. You know, and going back to the Oscars, I, I'm also surprised at all the nominations that Jojo Rabbit got because there's, you know, at least what they're showing on Facebook and, and other news feeds and, and articles like, oh, how many people are actually, you know, not big fans of Jojo Rabbit because of the subject matter, you know? Right. And because it's 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 offensive, it's, it's insensitive and things like that. So the fact that a movie like Joker and Jojo Rabbit both got a ton of nominations is surprising to me for one thing. And then, um, and then, oh, there was another article I, I saw that I, I didn't even want to give it the, the, you know, I didn't want to validate it by clicking on it, but it said something about, you know, something offhand about the five men that were nominated for best director. Oh God. You know, and I think it was, and it also was five white men. Don't quote me on that, but I think it might've said five white men, but yeah, it is what it is. I mean, yeah, it's... I know it sucks because it's coming from a white guy saying this, but I, I, I don't I don't care if they're white or anything. I, I just care about who's the best for the job. Taika Waititi, if he's nominated for... He's not nominated for Best Director for Jojo Rabbit. He's nominated for Best Picture because he's a producer on it and then also for original or adapted screenplay. Yep. So he's got two nominations. But if Taika Waititi, who is you know from New Zealand, he's like um, half um, some kind of Pacific Islander. I can't remember what. He's Kiwi Jew. Yeah, something, right? So... Um, 
If he was nominated for Best Director, I'd be all fucking for it because Jojo Rabbit was great. You know, I got no problem with that. You know, so it just, I think that the right movies got nominated. Look at Todd Phillips, what he did with Joker. He absolutely deserved his nomination. You know, Sam Mendes, he deserved his nomination for 1917. I don't care about the Academy Awards. I know. I know there's still just that part of me, that little part of me that wants to, you know, take it seriously. You know, I, I, I think that little piece is always going to be there to a point. Yep. But anyway, regardless, um, going back to 1917, uh, I'm pretty sure we both recommend that we both, that, that anybody just goes and sees it. Yeah. This is a fantastic movie. See so it on a take, big, yeah. Take your time. Go see this on a big screen. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And it's worth it because I, I had, like I said, great time from start to finish. So, you know, can't say that about everything. And I, you know what? One thing, more thing about the Oscars, goddammit. Peanut Butter Falcon, man. Not one goddamn nomination. <laughs> I wanted to see at least one nomination for that movie. I don't know in what category. Maybe for... Uh, uh, I'm not going to say it, but... <laughs> for Party? Yeah. <laughs> party! But whatever. It, it, you know, if anyone gets a chance, see uh, Peanut Butter Falcon. It's already on uh, uh, Blu-ray and, and streaming and all that stuff. All right. You got anything else you want to add to this, uh, no. this live stream test that we've got going on? All right. I think that's it for now then. So uh, coming soon will be my live review for Joe Knows Movies for 1917. Yep. Where it's all me, baby. Yeah. I think we're going to go do this on uh, a couple of average shows. Okay. So if you guys are listening, uh, we'll pop up a couple of average Joes and we'll try to do a live thing on there and see how it goes. But this was a test for Cocktails with Heather. So <clears throat> we're going to be doing Cocktails with Heather live June 29th. Live. From Cocktails with Heather. From the basement. Of the science building. <laughs> yes. And that's it. All right. That's all we got. Yep. You good? Yep. We're all good. All right. All right. All right. Uh, for Mike and for Joe, I'd like to say goodbye, Jews. Goodbye, Jews. It's awful. Goodbye. <laughs> God damn it. I'm so racist. So racist. <laughs> Racism's funny. <laughs> I can delete the videos too. All right. Uh, stop.